As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Hello, and welcome to the Last Jedi on the Left podcast. I'm your host, Aaron, and for this episode, we are celebrating Not White Boy Day with uh, Rob Jones. How are you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. Are you? Yeah, thank you ever so much for having me on. This is one of my favorite films of like all time. It had a massive impact on me when I was a spotty little teenager. I'm sure you can imagine why, and we'll get into that in a bit. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't yeah. really need too much of an excuse to watch this again or to talk about it. So, thank you very much for having me. That's all right. Yeah, um, it's it's one of them that I've uh, I came to it probably a little bit later than. I guess I mean we can go into it a little bit, but this, obviously the story kind of being that this kind of directed people more towards Tarantino films in future, whereas I was Pulp Fiction was already a thing by the time mm. I I came to these films. So I seen Pulp Fiction first, and then came around to this later. As shall we pull the rabbit out of the hat straight away? There's a pretty decent age difference between us, isn't there? There so is, you, yeah. Thirty like two. Yes, yes, I am. Yeah, 1990. So I was born. So yeah, so I'm 44 this year. So this was right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, you'd have been like perfect age when this came out. Then really. Yeah, yeah. So um, I first saw this movie probably in like probably 1995 because it came out in 93, didn't it? Yeah. So I think I saw it on VHS or a video to you kids um, around 95, and I remember there was a spell of really getting into films and movies properly like you do when you're 15 or 16 yeah um, and we were living out in the sticks so we'd go into town every so often and you'd be like you'd go to our place and see what videos they had and you'd buy stuff that your mum would let you uh, that you have um but the previous year so like 94 pop fiction had come out yeah and there was all the tarantino buzz and then in the oscars in 95 because it was so pop fiction was, was released in 94 but it won the best screenplay at the 95 Oscars. Yeah. And I believe it lost out on Best Picture to Forrest Gump. Yeah, which, uh, I mean, mm. some people on the internet would have you believe is like an absolute crime. But, I mean, I, I prefer Pulp Fiction, personally. Yeah, I would definitely. But uh, there's, always a, there's a bit in uh, The Big Sick, I don't know if you saw that film, with uh, Ray Romano. And oh, right, yeah. He plays a character. He's like the one of the characters' dads and that. And he's talking to this guy in the hospital, and he says, uh, "Oh yeah, I don't really go on the internet. Uh, I went on the internet, and loads of people were having a go at Forrest Gump, one of the best films I ever seen. Never <laughs> go on the internet again." <laughs> so uh, yeah, I quite like Forrest Gump. I think yeah. it does get maligned somewhat. It's quite sickly sweet, isn't it? Really, it is a little bit. Yeah, right. it is. It is a bit. I'll um, I'll set the stage then. So it's it's tenth of September, nineteen ninety three, was when this came out. Uh, the number one song in the US was a song called Dream Lover by Mariah Carey. Not one I'm familiar with. No. Uh, but the one in number one in the UK was Mr. Vane by Culture Beat. Oh, my word. It's a bit more. A bit more people might know that one a bit more. Not my wheelhouse, but now looking back, what a banger. Yeah. Uh, Sam Kerr was born on this day. Plays uh, football for Chelsea and Australian... Uh, football team, yeah, and yep. X Files was also debuted on Fox on the same oh, day. Oh, right, excellent! Because X Files was another big thing for us as well around that time. That was yeah. a massive show. Like, I mean, between between X Files, this film, and Mr. Vane, that's it's all very sort of nineties, there, isn't it? It's all it's all sewn up, lovely, isn't it? It's perfect. exactly, yeah. So, um, yeah, like like I say, I I don't really, I don't have a recollection of watching this for a first time myself. Although, um, prior to us mentioning that they were going to do this, the last time I'd watched it, I actually remember quite well because it was usually on each of our birthdays. Myself and my wife will pick a film and we'll just force the other one to watch it regardless. Right. So this was my one. And usually I don't tend to go for... I mean, I've got some really weird horror film tastes, so I'm not going to subject it to that. But um, I picked this one and she did enjoy it as well. So I think it's it's one for everyone, I think. I can't quite remember like the first time you know i watched it i remember it being on loads um i've so not long after 
all the Pulp Fiction buzz. Yeah. Um, I'd ask my mum to try and get me Pulp Fiction from town, but I've hadn't come out on video yet because there's always a bit of a delay then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or more than likely, it was out, but it was still fifteen quid because it like the new releases were always a lot more money. Yeah. Um, but I I can remember being desperate to see Pulp Fiction. Um. And then in it was either our price or HMV or Andy's Records. They had a, like a big display of stuff that was like Oscars or Oscar winners adjacent. Right. Okay. Um, so they had True Romance and Reservoir Dogs were both there um, with like a sticker on them saying written by Tarantino. And yeah, so I had that. And that was kind of like the first time I got really excited about film. So there was there was all the Tarantino stuff coming around. Robert Rodriguez, uh, Think Later. What was that? Dazed and Confused was this one, wasn't yes. it? Some yeah, yeah. Um, Kevin Smith stuff, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Crowe had done singles, which was like all of our favorite grunge bands were in that. That was amazing. Uh, Reality Bites was a big one. There's a yeah. little connection in that as well. I'll come to later on. Um, other stuff that I was watching around the same time as this, there was like weird stuff that you'd kind of watch stuff because some guy from a Tarantino film was in it. So I saw things like Killing Zoe with Eric Stoltz. Okay, yeah. Did you know Killing Zoe? I've not seen that one, no. That's right, what's going on the list. He, he goes to Paris, does a load of heroin, and then robs a bank. Okay. Yeah. Um, obviously, Hi- uh, Harvey Keitel and Bad Lieutenant. Yeah. That's massive then. Um, that might have been a little bit earlier, but it was, it was that sort of time. El yeah, Mariachi in Desperado, Dust Till Dawn. Um, and then there was all those movies that came off the back of Boys in the Hood, so stuff like Menace to Society, yeah. 187, Friday, Dead Presidents, that was great. I see, um, yeah, yeah. There's some other cool stuff, like Brad Pitt was doing, like, but like even before Seven, he was doing like Too Young to Die and California. Yeah. Have you seen California? California's an interesting one, isn't it? Um I mean, I kind of get to it a bit later with mm. with some of the films I've got, but um, it, it's uh, very sort of feels a lot like a lot of other films that kind of came yeah. out around that time. And I think it's got that sort of odd Brad Pitt role that he kind of does a little bit in um, Thelma and Louise as well. Yeah. Where it's yeah. not quite the Brad Pitt that you fully expect just yet. I think he's amazing in that film. And I, and I also, I think because it was one of those that we went to the shop and it was there and it looked cool and it had the dude from X-Files in it and Brad Pitt and, and Michelle Forbes from Star Trek Next Generation was in it and Juliet Lewis. It was just like, this is everything that's cool at the moment. Yeah. Maybe maybe Star Trek's not quite so cool in terms of size. <laughs> it, it was for me. Um, wow. As well, We it was also it was quite easy because you could, like for a fiver, you could pick up something like on VHS. You could pick up something like Deliverance or Scarface or Goodfellas, even. So every weekend we were watching either something old and cool or something new and cool. And True Romance was definitely in amongst all of that stuff. Oh, that's and cool. I think I watched it probably at least like True Romance. I reckon I watched maybe once a month for about four years. I think I started wearing Hawaiian shirts, <laughs> thinking I was cool. <laughs> Elvis um, was your hero. Yeah, no, not really. No, never quite got that far. <laughs> but it was really cool and it was really sexy, wasn't it? And I, I don't think I need to expand on the thoughts I would would have had of Patricia Arquette at the time. Um, definitely set some unattainable standards when looking for love, you know, when you're a there is, skinny 16, 17-year-old. There but. is definitely that. So basically, because I watched this uh, about six months ago, I kind of felt the need to just not exactly just watch it again verbatim. Um, so I dug out the, the Blu-ray that I've got and I put it on and it's got, um, I listened to the version with Tarantino's commentary on it this time, which I think is a same commentary that he probably did for the DVD release mm-hmm. sort of mid to early, mid 2000s. Um, but he kind of mentions that for him, despite the fact that none of the things that happen to Clarence happened to him. He felt like it was writing about himself almost. Mm-hmm. And that he fully well admits that Alabama is just not a real person. It's just everything he wanted in a girl. Somebody is that the one would... where he said he was like 25 before he had his first real girlfriend or something? Cause he was just a movie nerd. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. Cause he would just sit, he, his thing was he was going to the Sunny Chiba triple bills rather than actually going out with girls and everything. And he just wanted somebody who watched them with him and stuff like that. So, uh, 
yeah, there is there is that element of like you say, sort of almost wish fulfillment, especially for yeah. every boy's dream, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it's a re- generally it's a really cool film. Everyone's in it. Everyone looks cool. It just goes along. You're never bored, are you? No Good soundtrack. And that's the thing, when you say everyone's in it as well, it is kind of amazing, especially now you look back and you go, every single role, you go, oh, that's such and such, or that's, yes. you know, every single small, I mean, you, you can get into the fact that you've got Dennis Hopper's in, what, two scenes, uh, Chris Walken's in one scene, uh, like I say, Gary Oldman's in two scenes, it's it's yeah. pretty, and uh, then pretty Tom amazing. Si- Tom Sizemore that's there, Chris Penn, who's in every, you know, he's that character actor then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Michael Rappaport's great, isn't he? And yeah. Brad Pitt with the finest cameo of all time, maybe. Perhaps, yeah. He's definitely up there. Floyd's uh, one, of the, one of the more memorable characters, I think, definitely from the film, which is saying a lot when you've got Gary Oldman playing uh, a white guy who thinks he's black, basically. Yeah. And um, obviously Val, Val Kilmer, who wanted the role of Clarence, didn't he, originally? Yes. Yes, yeah, supposedly. That'd have been interesting. He auditioned for that role. But then, because obviously the he, he plays Elvis basically, but they never actually call him Elvis because no. they hadn't got the rights from Elvis's estate to, to use his name. He's just a guy in the mirror, isn't he? Yeah, that's it. Um, so a couple of other things that I found um, digging into the film. Uh, originally, it was all one big script that Tarantino had written with, uh, effectively with. Natural Born Killers in there as well. Mm. Um, and he, he had that and he had Reservoir Dogs originally. Um, he was trying to sell it for years, couldn't. Eventually, it ended up going to some studio and was nearly made by a director called Bill Lustig, who right. also did... He was kind of famous at the time for doing B-movie sort of slashes, uh, Maniac and Maniac Cop are some of his. Uh, they're a little bit... Niche, not for everybody, but if you're into that kind of thing, then the Maniac Cop especially is because that's oh, that, that ring that title rings a bell. To be honest, it's but... um, Bruce Campbell's in it as well. Oh right, was he in? Um, what was he in? Everything From uh, Evil Dead. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's more that kind of a little bit kind of tongue in cheek as well, uh, basically. But then from the sounds of it, Tarantino sort of turned around and went, uh, "No, I don't want you making it." No. Um, through a mutual friend, he ended up meeting up with Tony Scott. And Tony Scott at the time was doing Last Boy Scout, I believe. And Tarantino went along to the set, met him, and they kind of got chatting. And Tarantino said, look, look at these two scripts that I've got. Do you fancy doing one of them? And originally, uh, Tony Scott wanted to do Reservoir Dogs. And then Tarantino kind of was like, how about doing the other one instead? If you go to these people, they're looking for someone to make it at the minute. And that was effectively how True Romance came along. I heard that the 50 grand he got for selling the script of True Romance is what financed Reservoir Dogs. Yes, supposedly, yeah. yeah. So, because I used to hoover all of that up, but like back then, it was like anything Tarantino. If it was in, I don't know, I can't even remember what magazines we had then. I don't even know if Empire was, uh, yeah, Empire would have been a thing. But like, if Tarantino's in it, you're buying it. It was that whole, like that 90s music and in, indie film, if you like, because like Tarantino is big as he is he's always maintained that indie credibility i think yeah same you know and on a completely different um genre tangent whatever like kevin smith for me has always maintained that indie credibility even when he's done more stuff with more money he's always kind of maintained that indie darling status so um definitely yeah, yeah. Up all that sort of information i think i had the script the book of the script for Pulp Fiction at one point, and I was buying every soundtrack album for all the films as well. It's like, yeah, proper Tarantino heavy time. Yeah, you've got me thinking now. When I, when I must have come around to these films, and I'm also think it was almost certainly I was too young to be watching yeah. them actually. But because um, I can remember, the, I sorry, jumping jumping in, but I can remember the mass hysteria and excitement for Jackie Brown and then all the disappointment that came afterwards. Yeah. It's, and it's I a, quite like it, to be it's honest. It's a funny but. one because you know, I sort of I must have had a very microcosm experience of that same thing because I think I must have been getting into them in the run-up to Kill Bill coming out. So it was kind of, you watched Reservoir Dogs and then Pulp Fiction and then this probably was in there as well. And 
and like you say, and, and Jackie Brown would have been in there. And at the time, you watch it and you go, well, that's not Pulp Fiction, is it? But then mm. what is, I guess, is, is kind of the, the, you know, very little is can be compared to that. And, I've, you know, you've, you've watched it since and, and you kind of come around to it quite a bit. I have anyway. I, I really like Jackie Brown. We often talk about on records and bands on the music podcast that about we always compare like a band's new album to their best album. So, for for example, we'll be talking about um, therapy and we'll compare it to Trouble Gum. Yeah. And we'll say, yeah, well, it's not as good as Trouble Gum. But like 90% of every other record ever made isn't as good as Trouble Gum. Yeah, yeah. You know, That's so the thing, isn't it? Why should you be comparing it to their like the highest rung of the ladder. Yeah, time, exactly. It's a know. conversation I've had with the uh, pre- previous guest of the podcast, Joe, as well. Um, we've, we've talked about it a few times because he tends to, I think he tends to prefer, much prefer these early first three mm. and then like the, the written, like True Romance and Natural Born Killers the, and the first three Tarantino films to anything that comes after. Whereas I, I also really like the, uh, like Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. And I love Django. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think it's probably one of my. Right, I really like that one. I haven't watched um, it yet. See, okay, I'd recommend yeah. it. But yeah, I, I may have. I don't want to oversell it now. No, the problem is, see, because like, because I've got the kids, and it, they are long movies now. It's you can't guarantee that they're not going to walk in while you're watching someone having yeah. their head cut off or something mental. You know, <laughs> so oh, yeah, I know what you mean. You kind of have to wait, and then it gets. You, you have to wait until it's late and then you're too tired to give it the attention it deserves. Like, so yeah, cause it's a, it's like, you don't want two and a half, two and three quarter hour film. You yeah. don't necessarily want to be putting that on at 10 o'clock, but, do you? So, but Django, I really like, but I think true romance might be my favorite thing that he's had a hand in full stop. Like, I just think it's, I think it's brilliant. That's a, it's a good statement. It's, but it's bold. I think to have it. Yeah. I don't know. Bold is the right word, but um, oh, it, it might it may not be his best. It's the one I enjoy the most. Yeah, no, that's that's fine. Yeah, yeah that's so, your you know your preference. Everything. That's the other thing. Well. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a big believer that uh, film is very subjective. So, oh, yeah. Uh, so it's yeah. art, man. That's what it's, it's meant to be. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I was going to move on. Have you got what's your uh, favorite scene? I feel like this is perhaps a film that does lend itself to that kind of thing. It does. Well. It does. It has quite, almost a, I think because it's Tony Scott and he is well known for being very sleek and sometimes he gets called like style over substance, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but you've got the scene where Clarence com- confronts Drexel. Yeah. Goes to get her stuff. That's really cool. Problematic a bit, but you know, there's quite there's, there's, there's a fair bit of that going there, on. There, there's a film. bit of problematic stuff going on. I don't know if you want to get into that now. We'll get into that later, I suppose. Um, Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper. That's great. Again, brilliant. Problem, yeah, but bit problematic. Yeah. Um, when the mob the mobsters go and visit Floyd. Yeah. Uh, Gandolfini and Arquette in the hotel room is rough. It's a it's a tough watch, isn't it? But it's, but it's cathartic it's, at the end. Yeah, and it's it's tough to get through, but it's almost like the meatiest scene in the whole movie. So I, whether the movie feels not lightweight, but it definitely adds a bit of grit to it. Once once you get into that scene, yeah, anything can happen and anyone can die. Yeah, um, and I really like the scene just before they go in to do the coke deal where. Um, they're in the lift with Elliot and Clarence pulls a gun on him and he's got the coppers in his ear and Sizemore's in on the other end of the wire. He's getting, yeah. what's it? He's like, like, you're an actor. Act, motherfucker. Act. <laughs> like, you know, I just love that. Um, anything where the camera's on Patricia Arquette is amazing because she just... She's Very just much so. amazing. Yeah. But there's a bit, actually, I what I really like, and it's more of a tonal thing, is when they leave Detroit... You get that change from like the blue filter on the camera, and everything's quite dark and wet and dingy. And they get into the desert, into California, and it's all bright. And you get yeah. that "Hello, baby" yeah, from the, yeah. like the big popper thing. And then it's just like, yeah, here we are. Now we're in California, bright lights. So. That's definitely a great mix of basically the the two guys behind the camera on this because the the big bopper, you know, "Hello, baby" and all that. That's very 
Tarantino, getting his yeah. references in there, getting his, and then yeah, with needle uh, drops, like exactly, yeah, and then the sort of very visual kind of pop change you get from the one to the other is like a very much a Tony Scott thing. I think he's he's big on his like, uh, you know, color grading and that kind of mm. thing for for certain scenes. Um, I'm trying to think now because I think you have pretty much covered off. I mean, I like the the scene at the end, but or towards the end, like say with the drug deal. Um, and for reasons I'm going to, I'm going to get into in the next segment, definitely. But, um, the other one I think I come back to quite a bit is the roller coaster scene. Yes. Which, uh, I believe is actually one of the only big departures that Tony Scott made from the, the script. Again, listening to the, the commentary was that originally it was going to be at a zoo. Right. And Tony Scott was like, no, it needs to be more exciting than that. So we're sticking everyone on a roller coaster. So the guy um, who did Top Gun and Days of Thunder, yeah, is, is one of roller coaster. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. So um, th- that's probably. I think they're the only two I can kind of add to it. I think there's some little bits that I really like. There's um, like when they're in the hotel room doing the deal, and she's got the napkin, and she's just writing "You're so cool" on it. Because while they're talking about the like body bags and body bags too the movies that they're making yeah and she just and she just writes on the napkin you're so cool i, I love that there's little touches like that that just help to make the characters yeah definitely i mean even like the, the the very first scene of the film where clarence is talking about you know talking about if he if he'd fuck a guy he'd, he'd fuck elvis and all yeah that. that's it and uh, to that that girl in the bar it just completely sets who he is as a character yeah, that's like, it. and it's yeah, very yeah. much tarantino of the time is zach efron for me by the way Good, good to know. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think who specifically in Baywatch. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, that's fine. Uh, so, I mean, I'm kind of getting onto it a little bit there. Favorite quotes? Again, there's lots, isn't there? I've got a lot. So, go on. Uh, first go one, on. I, I ran. I can say I ran through all my scenes, so I'll let you have a go this time. Yeah, first one I got was uh, don't come to see. Don't condescend me, man. I'll fucking kill you, man. That's the best. That's my quote of the film. Okay. That's, that, uh, like, I, is it? I can't remember if it's um, Gandolfini or when they, all the mobsters come around, but like he gives them directions, doesn't he? Yeah. And then it's like, yeah. Condescend me, man. I'll fucking kill you. And yeah. then the other one is, uh, do you guys want to like come in and smoke a bowl or something? Yeah. <laughs> Just the idea of like, you know, the, the Excuse mafia of to, to, your, yeah. to your front door. And that's what you're going to say. The bloke who never gets off the set. So yeah, I love that bit. Um, if there's one thing this last week has taught me, it's better to have a gun and not need it than to need a yeah. gun and not have it. Which is a break. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't really make that much sense. But uh, yeah, sure, it sounds amazing, and it's uh, that was a great line. Uh, he must have thought it was White Boy Day. It ain't White Boy Day, is it? It ain't White Boy Day. Which is uh, a great old yeah. line. Um, I don't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. All I got is fucking Floyd. Yeah. Which is a great rapport sort of yes. delivery as well to it. Yes. So that's always, I, so because of the way he says it, I've never been a hundred percent sure whether that means they're in a relationship or they're just roommates and he's just got to deal with all this shit every day. I I'd like to think they're in a relationship, but I, that's interesting. I always took it as the latter but I like your reading of it there. Yeah, well, it, it could work either way, but I just like to think, you know, because all I've got is fucking Floyd or all I've got is fucking Floyd. Yeah, that's interesting. So like, it could be taken both ways, but I'd like to think that they're in a a loving relationship, even if Floyd is stoned half the time. Yeah, maybe that's... Uh, I'm surprised there was never... I mean, there probably was a fan yeah. fanfic written about that i'm sure i really like michael rapaport as well we recently watched him in a show on netflix called atypical which is about a family with a, a kid with asperger's and that and he plays the dad in that and he's really 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 good so if your listeners haven't seen it they should definitely check that out yes i will 100 percent agree with that yeah. that was one of them um i think my wife found it on netflix actually and I think we we kind of there was maybe two seasons out or something when we came to it, and it was the middle of January. So you know you've you kind of mm. just everything's a bit you're a bit depressed and a bit sort of down with everything, and you stuck that on, and we must have watched like two episodes a night or something because it was just just mm. full on picked you up every night. Uh, I love that show as well. So yes, yeah. agreement with that one. 
Got any more quotes? Uh, the last one I've got, and so anybody who knows me, before I get into it, knows uh, I, I'm a big fan of the Rewatchables podcast. This is the podcast is a little bit of a rip off of that as well for a large part. So I'm going to go with a take your fucking sag card and burn it, you little cocksucker. I treated you like a son, and you fucking <laughs> stabbed me in the heart. It's all Rubenek. Yes. I didn't want to launch into a full Chris Ryan impression, no. but uh, yeah. yeah brilliant. Now, I listened to that podcast the other day, actually, in, like, not in preparation for this, but to make sure that having listened to it before, it, it wasn't influencing too much of what I was saying. But there is, so another one that I've got um, for a favorite quote is um, when they're talking about the films and it's like, uh, coming home in a body bag was like the best Vietnam film. My uncle Luke, who was a vet, he'd ever seen, he loved it. What's this we're watching? Oh, it's the new one. They're calling it Body Bags 2. There's more taste in my penis. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, Ain't White Boy Day, we got that. I like, um, there's, there's a couple that I kind of uh, use in day-to-day conversation um i've always liked your clarence and i always will yeah um tastes like a peach oh yeah that's a very good line yeah uh, tastes like a peach yeah yeah that's that's i use that quite a lot actually mm, tastes like a peach <laughs> maybe not in the same context as dennis hopper does like but you know yeah so if i had to choose one i'll go with tastes like a peach i reckon yeah that's pretty good i'm uh i'm quite relieved neither of us went into uh Dennis Hopper's speech about the uh, well, the Moors or anything like that. So this is a thing, right? And we said about a couple of the nitpicks, and my I've got two big ones. Okay. But so considering there's only one black character with lines, yeah, and he's only got about four of them, yeah. There's a lot awful lot of N worth chucked about, yeah. There's probably some homophobic slurs in there as well. I think. Yes. Um, um, probably. Don't sit very well, to be honest, especially now. Um, I think at the time, maybe with a bit of naivety, kind of maybe forgave it a little bit because the film was so cool. But I don't think you'd get that through nowadays at all. And I don't think you should get that through these these days. Um, and also, there's only really one female character in the whole film. And like you were saying before, she's kind of an everyman's fantasy. Yes. Um, and... Like Christian Slater's white knight act to rescue her from the pimp because, you know, and that whole, oh, so you're a hooker then? And she's like, what did she say? No, I'm a cool girl. It's like, yes, oh, there's a difference. Yeah. yeah. Like sex work is work, isn't it? So, you know, um, I do like that he's, you know, af- I do like that after his, you know, he, he saves her from the pimp. Yeah. He's too late to save her from Gandolfini's character. So yeah. she has to sort herself out. So she, she actually there is sort gets of a chance to show herself as a real form, strong character. Like you come at me, I'm going to fuck you up. Like so, yeah, really exactly. Like that. There is that growth to the character there a little bit, which uh, which is pretty good. Um, I'm going to just I touch on as well that um, I don't want to be the person to defend the the Dennis Hopper Christopher Walken speech as such, but the way Tarantino describes it in the uh, in the film is that there was a guy he always knew growing up um, that basically told him that story. It was a black guy who told him that story. And then Tarantino puts it in the film. The guy was like, yes, see, I've been telling people this for years and now you put it up on the screen and all this, which is fine. But then you've got it, one white guy is saying it to another white guy and it kind of just doesn't work the same. Yeah. Which again, like you say, in the early 90s, people were kind of, I guess a little bit less, less fussed about maybe. I, I don't know. I wasn't around to see if there was a big, big hoopla about it, but uh, it, it does with, with 20, 23 years, it does uh, yeah. stick yeah. out a little bit more. But yes. Yeah. So yeah. We um, can and should strive to be better. Exactly. So yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I don't, other than like you say, I kind of got, you know, Alabama's, I still think it's sorry, uh, sorry, I, I'm jumping in. I still think it's a brilliant, brilliant film. Yes, and, yeah, yeah. Like, we shouldn't yeah, end I on think, that bit and, there. And, and it rattle, it rattles along, and it's really, really cool, and it's really sexy, and it's really slick, and it's got Tony Scott all over it, and it's got T- Tarantino's like the dialogue just pops, doesn't it? Despite what some of that dialogue might contain, it still pops, and you don't you don't really hear 
coppers and drug dealers and like well, characters talking like that in a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Like in the run up, well, sort of like in the late 80s. Like if you look at Forrest Gump, Frank, for instance, it's clearly movie dialogue. Yeah. Whereas this has got like that highly stylized Tarantino quality all around it. And it is a quality. It's really, really cool. It's just like we say, some of the content could be better. <laughs> yeah. It is. Um, the other thing as well is to note that it, it, for me, it's almost indicative of what was eventually going to be going to be what Tarantino did more of as well in terms of, you can see at the start, he's kind of, uh, what he's talking about is, is, um, Sonny, Sonny Chiba triple bill that he's going to go and see and, uh, and sort of everything else that he kind of involves from other films that he brings in. And then after kind of Jackie Brown, when he gets into Kill Bill and then from there onwards, it is just Tarantino doing, okay, I've seen all these films. Now I want to show you what I can do with, with regards to them, uh, which I think is kind of, I've always quite liked that because it's always been then a gateway for me to go, well, what's he doing with this one? I'll yeah. go back and watch these old films and, I do think that with like the and again, um, it's not really a Christmas. Uh, it's, it's not really a Tarantino show, but um, I do feel that with the critical, uh, the critical appraisal of uh, Jackie Brown not being quite what was expected after Pulp Fiction, I do think he just kind of went, "Do you know what? Fuck it, I'm just going to make what I want to make." Yeah, yeah, I so, think so. I, I, you know. It's pretty, pretty risk, uh, you know. Gotta respect him for that anyway. Yeah. I know you mentioned this was your probably your favorite Tarantino related property. What about mm. when it comes to Tony Scott? Anything anything else up there with for you or is this So We watched the new Top Gun, like Top Gun Maverick at the weekend. Yep. And I know Tony Scott didn't direct that because he's passed. And but mm-hmm. I thought like that was amazing. I re- wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. Um, so I might have to go back and have another look at Top Gun, to be honest. Okay, that's fair. I, I mean, for me, I was going to say I think it is probably my f- favorite Tony Scott film. My issue with that yeah. is that I don't think I've got a Tony Scott film I've watched yet that I didn't like. Like even his yeah. oh yeah, they were still pretty enjoyable. So. Uh, the man had a great gift for that, I think. When we had a face, we had Days of Thunder taped off the television or something, like on a VHS. So we watched we watched the shit out of Days of Thunder when we were kids. Yeah. That's the NASCAR one, isn't it? It's got Michael Rooker yeah, yeah, in it as well. That's like Top Gun, but in cars instead of in planes, yeah. isn't it, basically? Yeah. I was thinking like, um, even like Unstoppable, which I think it was the last film he did, mm-hmm. which is about a runaway train. Um, yeah. That's like, you know, it's a really good way to spend a couple of hours. He just likes vehicles moving fast, doesn't he? I think so. And uh, fair play to what him, was I it, say. What was the, um, was it Deja Vu he did with Denzel? Uh, yeah, that was one of, because he did, I think he did two or three with Denzel, didn't he? In the yeah. Because you had Man on Fire. Oh, Deja Man on Fire, Vu. that was him. And that's, me and Hazel think, saw that in the pictures as well. That was great. Yeah. So moving on then, we'll move yeah, on so, to... On. Yeah, I did say to you that this is my all-time alternative love story film, didn't I? Yes, yes. So using that as the connection, we figured we could do a top five of our alternative romance or alternative love story mm. films. Um, do you want to kick us off with your number five? And if, so I've got about nine here, to be honest. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do, because I've got... How many have I got on my list here? Uh, Eleven. So I've right, got okay. a five that I've kind of said, okay, these are going to be my top five. Again, they're not necessarily all because they're my actual top five. It's just they're more interesting. Maybe. But then I've also got six honorable mentions, mm. shall we say. Right. So the first one that jumped out to me. Yep. Well, the first two that jumped out to me, and you can toss a coin because only one of them should go in really. Um, being a 90s kid, being a Gen Xer, it's either Reality Bites or singles because they're both the generation x love stories um one of them oh there's a tenuous link that's what i was going to come to so you know reality bites yes yeah that's the ben stiller Um, yeah so you've got the scene um in um i think they're in a drugstore aren't they and uh my sharona comes on the radio 
Yeah. And you've got the whole My Sharona thing. So originally, My Sharona is... Um, yeah, so Tarantino wanted My Sharona for the ear scene in Reservoir Dogs. Okay. But the knack had, had like a, a rule of theirs that to avoid like oversaturation or selling out, they would only have their stuff on one thing each year. Right. So okay. because and and so they had to choose between Reality Bites and Reservoir Dogs. So they chose to put that on Reality Bites rather than. So uh, Tarantino then goes with Steelers Wheel for yeah. ear cutting. Can you imagine uh, my Sharona while he's chopping his ear off? I feel like it's a completely different scene with that. Yeah, it's far but more then, aggressive. Yeah. I think um, that's quite an interesting bit of history there. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so Reality Bites, Winona Ryder, who was amazing back then, like she's still great. Ethan yeah. Hawke was terrible, pretty terrible character to be honest in that film. But again, <laughs> Agreed. really, yeah. really cool. But even like Steve Zahn and Gene Garofalo were really good in it. Um, but then all my favorite bands are in singles. So like Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains. Soundgarden, like Chris Cornell crops up at the end, like it's um, Matt Dillon's character is in a band and that his his band, if you like, a Pearl Jam, right? Yeah. So it's just like yeah. Oh look, there's Eddie Vedder. Oh look, there's Matt Cameron. Oh look, there's Chris Cornell coming down the road, and it's just like yeah, who's who with all my musical heroes. It does very much sound like they made a film based on your music taste, then. Yeah. <laughs> Cameron Crowe made it in about 92, 93. Right, think, okay. So. Um, but there is, there's a really cool, or not really cool, that's terrible. There's a scene in there. Um, so Kyra Sedgwick and Campbell Scott, they have like an unexpected pregnancy. And then okay. she gets in a car crash and loses a baby. And um, I put the film on when my wife was like six months pregnant and I completely forgotten about that scene. And it, it, it happened and like it just completely broke us like it was always a sad scene but this time and that. then every time since now we, like it just absolutely ruins you yeah yeah you've so, got that kind of connection to that moment at least yeah. then yeah so i, I think that. yeah so i think i'd go with the uh, singles for my first choice because there's two good love stories going on all through this film as well so two for the price of one in singles very good that's um it's not one i've seen actually so i'm gonna have to uh I have to track that one down. Yeah. um, My number five, kind of keeping through a little bit of a a theme there because it's also music related. Um, It's also related to a guy that's in True Romance. I picked Sid and Nancy, which is obviously the sort of story behind Sid Vicious and Nancy Spongen. Gary Oldman plays Sid Vicious and Chloe Webb plays Nancy, Nancy Spungen. Uh, Mid-80s, probably like a fairly early role for Gary Oldman, I'd have said. Maybe. I'm trying to think now. I'm trying to think what he would yeah, have done Yeah, no, it was pretty that. early. Yeah, not a lot. But, so uh, I think he'd yeah. done some stage stuff and that. And... Yeah, probably. So, um, I mean, it's it's sort of a, um, how would you describe it? Doomed kind of romance oh, for yeah. anybody who obviously yeah. knows the story behind them if, if you didn't then it would be quite a wild story but uh yeah and that is obviously courtney loves in that yes yeah and uh there's quite a few uh, of the because courtney loves in it and like edward tudor poles in it as well i believe from memory I'm trying to think now who else is in it but um obviously again you know me and my music tastes big fan of punk and everything punk yeah. so that was always going to be one for me as well so that was Gary my Oldman looks great in that, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah, we just transformed into So next one for me, if we're going on like a tale of doomed love between star-crossed lovers with Sid and Nancy, I'm yeah. going to go with Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Okay, yeah. Another Which one is I'm, a traditional uh... love story, but yeah. like the way the way it's done... It's it might be a bit on the nose, I don't know, but like when it first came out, we loved it. And again, it's never one of those sleek and sexy, and maybe it's a little bit style over substance again. Um, but there's so much chemistry in it between like DiCaprio and Claire Danes. So she'd just been in my so called life. Yeah. Um, and Jared Leto was in that as well. And that's quite a big show. So but yeah, that was just a really, really cool film. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, that's another one. Soundtrack was amazing too. I've not got round to yet. My my always mm. anecdote about that one is uh, that when it came out, Claire Danes wasn't actually allowed to see it 
because she was too yes. young. Yeah, which is always quite a funny sort of funny piece of uh, bit, history. It is a bit like <laughs> a bit bizarre. Yeah, it's um, Baz Luhrmann's one of them that I've kind of I've seen. What have I said? I've seen Great Gatsby that he did, and I've seen Elvis that came out last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's just, I guess like it must came Rouge. out. Yeah, like both of those kind of came out around the time where I was just not interested in that kind of film. Mm-hmm. Um, and like now I'll watch anything. So now I should go back and do it. But yeah, check it out. Know, man. There's a hundred years cool, of film um... history out there and I struggle yeah. to, <laughs> to get them all in. But yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check that one out as well. Uh, John um, Neguizamo's in it and he's really cool in it. Yeah. Is he, uh, so it's, it's funny because obviously you're kind of familiar with the story at least because... yeah. We've seen, you know, you've seen numerous adaptations. You've seen West Side Story twice. Yeah. West Side Story or, you know, you've read it in English class in school or something even. So, yeah, it's uh, it's one that I'll definitely get around to. Um, The next one I've got is a film called Call Me By Your Name. Right, yeah. I've seen this knocking about, but I haven't actually got around to watching it. And it looks like it could be a good one. Yeah, it's funny because I watched it, sort of caught it on the tail end of its running cinemas. Um, and basically, it's a story about a he's sort of a relatively privileged white kid who spends his summers in Italy and he falls in love with a, uh, basically, he falls in love with a, another American guy. It's set in the 80s. Uh, he falls in love with another American guy who's over there in Italy at the time. And they kind of have this sort of summer romance ish between the two of them where neither of them are quite actually sure that they're gay um and it's sort of about finding themselves and everything i kind of just really fell in love with the film in general um i thought it was brilliantly done and it kind of led me then into watching the guy who made it luca gradagnino's other films um i think he's actually a really good filmmaker and one that Mm -hmm. i will watch whatever he comes out with now. Cause after that he did like a remake of uh, Suspiria, which is a film horror film by Argento that I actually really loved his remake of it as well. Um, the only problem with call me by your name now is that the American who he falls in love with is army hammer and oh, right, okay. for people who were kind of up on the news yeah. and everything, army hammers kind of problematic. Yes. Problematic. Should yeah. we say? So that yeah. was that was my number four. I still love that film, even if maybe I just haven't watched it in a while now. Cool. Um, we've all hated our girlfriend's exes in the past, haven't we? Like, if, if you start going out with a girl, and like, if their ex is still knocking about, you just like, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> um, yep. So we all love the idea of having to fight through them all to win the girl's hand. Uh, so I'm going with Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Well, I'll tell you what, let's pause the discussion on that one. All right. Okay. We'll come back to that one in a bit. Okay. Um, so my number three um, is a film. And so before when I was mentioning how Tarantino was very much liking to pick up old films when he was, when he was creating uh, or writing True romance. Uh, I've got for number three. I've got Badlands. Don't think I've seen that. Which is a Terence Malick film uh, from the when is it from mid early seventies? It's uh, Martin Sheen and Sissy Spacek. It's based on a true story about basically this Martin Sheen's this kind of troubled young man basically, and he falls in love with a fifteen year old girl effectively. And Sissy Spacek and the two of them go on the run and just do a load of murders and stuff. And it's all about how much they just love each other and they'll do anything for each other. But basically, um, you know, the little sort of xylophone tune that plays in true romance, mm-hmm. um, Hans Zimmer basically recreated, it's a classical piece that was used throughout Badlands. Mm-hmm. And then also the um, speech that Alabama does, the voiceover work, and her very sort of southern drawling accent is all very much what Sissy SpaceX doing because she has right. the same sort of voiceover thing in that. So that's almost Tarantino's kind of lifted that from that and and put it into True Romance. And it's uh, it, so you are uh, obviously now you sit there and watch Badlands and you go, oh, this is this is just exactly that, yeah. but it's vice versa. But um, that one also has a very sort of uh, Bonnie and Clyde feel to it as well. Yeah, um, 
I was, when you were describing, I was thinking natural born killers, which obviously comes later. Yeah, yeah, that's so, another sort of very similar. So, um, um, so apparently, natural like in universe, nat- in the original script, um, natural born killers is like the second one, like you were saying earlier, is like the set, like almost like the sequel to True Romance. Yes, but yeah, but in in universe. Clarence in Alabama write Natural Born Killers on their way from Detroit to Hollywood, and then they sell that screenplay. That's interesting. Yeah. It's very Tarantino, but it's interesting, yeah. 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 There you go. So, yeah, that would be... That's um, one to check out. So what's your number two? So we've got a pin in that one. Yeah. Um, So the next one is High Fidelity. Ah, okay, yeah. Music again. Yeah. um, it's all about the breakups. It's all from the guy's side, which is a bit different because most rom-coms, if you like, uh, it's the girl that's been done wrong. And this is like seeing the breakup from the guy's point of view, even though he is an absolute dick. Um, yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, and we've all kind of been through breakups and trying to work out where it ranks on your scale of all-time breakups and that. But I, I kind of like the bit where he says about um, like the being in a relationship is more about um, it's less about what you are actually like and more about what you do like. So like he's forever ranking his top five yeah. whatever's in the film. Um, yeah. He's just saying about the things that connect you during a relationship that, you know, Oh yeah. I just really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I really like it as well. It's um, it's, Nick Hornby. Nick Hornby. Yes, sorry, yeah. I couldn't. I was thinking fever yeah. pitch. Yeah, so it's uh, it's Nick Hornby, isn't it? And yeah. um, and I, I... And John Cool and his sister's in it, and I've had a soft spot for his sister for a long, long time as well. Joan Cusack. It's my uh, yeah. weird, not my weird crush because that's unfair on her, but I've had a <laughs> crush on her since she was in Toys with Robin Williams. So okay, yeah, I I, I mean it's it's got Jack Black as well before Jack Black got a bit tiresome doing the Jack Black impression, but. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really good. And to be fair, when I watched that, because I must have watched that in my early twenties, I reckon. And um, I saw it in the pictures. Yeah, it, it spoke to me as uh, somebody. I mean, as you can guess from this podcast, where we are making lists, and also yeah. we've made it forty-five minutes into this podcast, and I still haven't mentioned Letterboxd yet. Yeah. So, uh, and Letterboxd, like half right. of that is making lists as well. So. It's that film spoke to me quite a bit as well. What is my top five of this, or what is my yeah? So we're do it all the time. It's how, it's how you have conversations, isn't it? Pretty so. much, yeah. At least it works for this anyway. So far, um, my number two is uh, probably one that I think you're going to like as well. I picked Chase and Amy. Yeah. So in my honourable mentions, I've got Chase and Amy slash Zach and Mary make a porno. Okay, yeah. Because, again, I think Elizabeth Banks is amazing in absolutely everything. Even in, like, in Pitch Perfect, where she's, like, the um, TV presenter. I don't know if you've seen Pitch Perfect. I haven't, no, no. Uh, they're silly. They're lots of fun. But, like, Elizabeth Banks is just amazing. I've like I've got so much time for her. Yeah, my first, uh, first time I saw Elizabeth Banks would have been on Scrubs, I think. Yeah. She was the urologist on that, but yeah. uh, J.D., falls with for a while um he has a baby with her doesn't he He does yeah yeah scrubs so, podcast um, that's what we're doing next <laughs> yeah yeah i i could but I, that is yeah. a, that is one for another podcast um yeah. but yeah it was and to be fair i think when i first saw chase and amy i completely got what ben affleck was doing because i mm. also i think i also fell for joey lauren adams at the time yeah um She's amazing as well. Similar effect to me as on that one, as like say we've mentioned a few times on these films, and like say that's another one that perhaps hasn't aged so well in some some aspects. Um, Um, I think it's come from. I I think that one gets kind of gets a pass because a lot of it is based on Kevin Smith's relationship with Joey Adams. Yeah, so a lot of it is is quite um, autobiographical. So it's not one guy told me a story, so it's all right for me to pass it on. It's, I think it is at least maybe 60% his own story. Yes. I think also a lot of it is 
that. Um, so a lot of the criticisms I've read that were people had a problem with um, either Jason Lee's character or Ben Affleck's character. Mm. But for me, the whole point of the film is that they are wrong, effectively, throughout yeah. the whole thing. And if yeah. you haven't got that by the end of the film, you've kind of missed the point of the film. That's it. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, I had to get a Kevin Smith one in there because... I'll be honest, Affleck can do no wrong in my eyes as well. I yes, love Ben Affleck. I'm a big Even like in Chasing Amy and that before he's had his teeth done. Like, like I'll happily sit through Pearl Harbor because Ben Affleck's in it. Like, I'm, I'm a big Ben Affleck fan as well. So uh, I'm with you on that one. Um, so if just before we get to number ones, okay, you want to run through your so, the rest of your list? Yeah. So other ones I've got on my list. Yeah. I've just mentioned Zach and Miri make a porno. Yeah. Um, Walk the line. Okay, I know it's the Johnny Cash biopic. Yeah, but it is all about the love story between him and June Carter, or between Johnny Cash and June Carter. Yes, and when you know that after a fact that 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 love affair in real life lives on until the very very end, and then she passes away, and then. Johnny Cash passes away like literally months after because he just doesn't want to face the world without her anymore. Yeah. It's just it's just beautiful. And there's all the stuff around it in the film about like the, the dad relationship and um like his drug use and trying to get back on top. But at its heart, it's a love story between two people, star crossed lovers that are destined to spend the rest of their lives together. And I think that should be celebrated and it needs to be on this list somewhere, even as an honorable mention. Um Hazel said that my wife said I should mention AI because it's all about a boy's love for a mother that he doesn't have or the idea of a mother, you know. So interesting one. And definitely a different spin to what we've got so far. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then recently I watched on Amazon Prime, I watched Dog with Channing Tate. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know of it. Didn't get around to it, but again, but and the the trailer makes it look like a comedy, like a Turner and Hooch style comedy. Yeah, but it's but it's not. And like, I'm not a dog person at all, but I really connected with it, and I really like Channing Tatum as well, and he's really good in this. And he just kind of falls in love with this broken creature. Who's so? So the story is that like he's a marine who's suffering, who's got injured, and it's you know suffering with PTSD and everything. And the dog has also gone. From, it's a an army dog so that it's also been through trauma and they like between them they bring each other back to the world yeah okay and um, but like during the course of the film he's on a road trip he's got to take the film got he's got to take the dog to another army base to be put down sort of thing and over, they have adventures and then he can't bear to have the dog put down and it just really connected me weirdly because i'm not a dog person at all yeah that thought, sounds quite I'm, quite interesting yeah. i mean i did hear um some some good buzz around the yeah. film uh when it came out and stuff but it was Never got around to it and stuff. I figured it was going to be one of them that eventually, uh, yeah, Shell, my wife would, would be like, "Oh, Channing Tatum's in this. We need to watch this one." But uh, I really liked it, and like, I'm not a dog person. I'm not a dog lover. Everyone's going to hate me now, and for saying I'm not a dog person. But like, yeah, check out Dog with Channing Tatum. I think you're allowed to not be a dog person. That's fine. All right. I'll let you off. <laughs> um, so the the honourable mentions I've got, I think we've mentioned. Uh, probably half of them at least. So I'd got natural born killers down. I think yeah. that works as a in tandem with, like you say, with Badlands and, and some of the others that we mentioned. And I also had uh, Bones and All down, which is right. one that came out last year. So it's by Luca Guadagnino, who was the guy who did Call Me By Your Name. And it's also got Timothy Chalamet in, just like that one did. Um, and that one's about basically about a young girl. She's sort of 17, 18. Um, but she's she's a cannibal, basically. She has this like unstoppable urge to to eat human flesh. Um, and basically, when she gets to a certain point, her dad just her mum's already gone, and her dad just leaves her. Um, so she's left to fend on her own, and she kind of meets up with him, and it's, they kind of go across country then to, together because they're both cannibals, and they, but it's kind of this love story about the two of them as well. But then there's right. also like really icky horror bits in there, which I quite liked. Right. Yeah, I don't really do horror stuff. Fair I enough. can't have zombies anywhere near me. There's um 
you, you might be all right, but then like every now and then there is some really kind of almost out of the blue because so, it reminds you what kind of film you're watching for type film. You know the bit in the road where he's, they're in the house and he goes down into the cellar? Yeah. Yeah, that's I can't yeah, I can't be dealing with that. Yeah, I've got a I've got any history with the road as well, shall we say? But um, right, okay. I really like it, see, but my wife won't let me watch it again in the it's house. It's not, not the most enjoyable movie. film, is it? Let's be honest. No, no, I just think it's really good. You have, to, you have to watch at least two or three episodes of Atypical after you've finished watching that film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, I also had uh, Big Sick Down, which again I mentioned. That's about a basically a guy and a girl meet up, fall in love, spend a little time together. Then the girl basically comes down with this illness and she... It's basically, Kumail Nanjiani, isn't it? It is, yeah. He, yeah. he plays the, the main guy, and, and Zoe Kazan plays his girlfriend, effectively. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's based on a true story. Mm-hmm. I think it may even be a true story around Kumail Nanjiani's actual life. I heard him on Mark Maron's podcast when it first... I haven't seen the film, but when the film came out, he was on Mark Maron's podcast. I heard him talking about it then, and it sounded quite cool. Yeah, quite yeah. So like I say, she falls ill, and it's kind of... He has to... His cultural shock meets mm. up with her parents and, and all the kind of chaos and shoes from there. Funny, but has that kind of sweet undertone to it yeah. as well. Uh, I got The Princess Bride. Um, it is almost like a traditional love story, effectively, like fairy tale-esque, but the way it's told is always quite interesting and quite yeah. funny. I always quite enjoy that. I haven't seen that for years and years, but we've got it queued up to watch with the kids at some point. Definitely so. one that, like I say... All ages can enjoy. Yeah. Uh, Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson film, another yeah. director that I really like, uh, is about it's Adam Sandler doing a rare sort of pseudo serious film. This was pre Uncut Gems as well, where everyone realized that they liked him doing that. So, um, um, and he Am I allowed for, to admit to loving Adam Sandler? You can, like I say, you can say what you like. <laughs> I think I think Adam Sandler's brilliant. I think he knows exactly what he's good at. I like what he's good at. It might, you know, it might be if I just want an hour and a half where I'm known as going to giggle and smirk. Some of it doesn't work, but yeah, I mean, I'll, every, any Adam Sandler film I give a chance. That's fair enough. Like you say, I'm yeah. more of the. I quite liked the earlier ones: Happy Gilmore, mm-hmm. Billy Madison. I think by the time he was doing it in Little Nicky, I was a little bit over it. And he's mostly done it again since. But I, like I say, I think when he does, I think he's absolutely brilliant in Punch Drunk Love. I think he was incredible in Uncut Gems. So mm-hmm. when the man wants to, he clearly can draw me yeah. in. It's just most of the time. He, I've got Hustle I've got Hustle lined up to watch as well. Yeah, good. I've had that recommended again in the last week or so. So I, uh, I need to get around to that one as well. Cool. My final um, honorable mention was Out of Sight. Uh, right. Another one of those sort of indie filmmakers, Steven Soderbergh. It's uh, George Clooney and, and Jennifer Lopez. Effectively, he's a thief and she's a FBI agent. So the kind yeah. of it's all very sexy and cool. And and uh, yes, I I thought he was fantastic. Tangentially related to Jackie Brown as well because they're both based on Elmore Leonard novels. Yeah. And uh, Michael Keaton plays the same character in both of them. Oh, cool. So, yeah, it does Soderberg tie in did the Ocean's film, didn't he? He did, yeah. Yeah, that's right, yeah. With yeah. Clooney and exactly, Matt yeah. Damon. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, the man's prolific as well. I think he's putting out a film every year still at this point. So, um, yes, that was my last one. So, we'll, we'll right. hit your number one then. So, I, I'll i be honest, it wasn't really number one. It was it's the Just last one the on list, the list, if you yeah, like. Fair enough. So... I'm going to give you super bad. Okay. Yeah. So I've made some notes here. So forgive me. I'm going to read this. Sure. Go for it. Yeah. So it's all about plutonic love. We've all either ditched a mate or been ditched by a mate because boobs are nice. And I love the bit at the end when they're just off their faces and they make a bed on the floor in the basement and they're there and they gaze into each other's eyes and they're just like, I love you, man. And it's like, that's, I think that's great. I think not all of us are lucky enough to have a best friend that we've kept since our school days. Like um, me and my friend Leon, we were thick as thieves back in the days. And then 
life happens and we kind of drifted apart but we always refer to each other as oh that's Leon he's my best mate um and now we're back in each other's orbits again like I really don't want to lose it again like it's almost like we drifted apart and now we're back together again so like every time we speak I tell him I love him I'll text him I love you and I think what tell your friends that you love them because why not like it's nice to say it's cool to hear you ain't probably ain't got enough friends not real close friends like that and I think it's super bad is a for as silly and is pure as it is like that message of like keep hold of your good friends because you know they, they'll love you to the end man like yeah there you go yeah super that's bad. Uh, that's really good that is I'm, I'm I think I pretty much entirely agree like you say it's got that sort of similar sense of humor as a lot of those films that were coming out but it does have that uh that heart of gold like you say about it mm-hmm. that you know these two kind of they have their arguments and they have their ups and downs like we all do with our friends but you know they're going to stick it out together because that's what that's what uh good yeah. friends do and stuff isn't it so yeah like, like the big ray the big centerpiece ray is that you know uh Jonah Hill doesn't get into the same college and Michael Sarah knows this and, but doesn't want to tell him because he knows it's going to hurt his feelings. He knows he's going to be hurt that they're not going to get to go to college together, that this has kind of got to end or not the end, but like evolve. And that's going to be hard. And like, why can't it just be what we've got now? And like so many properly romantic comedies or not even comedies, properly romantic films are about preserving what we have against the oncoming change. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I do like that. Yeah. Yeah, just because it's two dudes who uh, get drunk and look at boobs doesn't matter. It still, <laughs> yeah. it still counts. So, so there you go. Um, so, what's your number one? There, I was just going to say. Uh, I don't. Want, I kind of. Don't, I hate pivoting from what you've just said there to a, a recommendation. But I don't. Know if you've, have you seen um, Booksmart? No, I haven't yet. No. So it's it's got uh, Beanie Feldstein's in it, who is Jonah Hill's sister as well, which helps mm-hmm. a lot. But effectively, it's just super bad book for girls right uh, it's about two girls who kind of have this all in one night adventure about trying to get to a party and but it ends up with them basically realizing that they're just best friends and you know nice. same sort of thing released from a couple of years ago but that, that's that's yeah. uh that was really good is it well. burnham made it no that's eighth grade isn't it is it right, yes, okay. this one was uh olivia wilde right okay apologies no it's fine yeah um so, yeah, we'll finish off then with my number one, which, again, not really too much surprises in there because we kind of already mentioned it. But uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah, it's really cool. Was uh, I mean, I, I collected the comics before the film came out, so I was well in its, you know, target demographic anyway. And, you know, big comic nerd that I am, all about the guy trying to get the girl of his dreams and stuff like that it was i was all over it so yeah i love it i'm a big edgar wright fan as well yeah the stuff with the stuff with his underage girlfriend is a bit is a bit but yeah but it's it's, i mean yeah yeah it's meant it's meant to show that obviously he's an asshole at the start and he does grow and people do get better if you give them chance and sex with bomb might be the greatest band or greatest fake band in any movie ever as well uh yes i'm trying to think what was that band in the thing that you do that oh yeah that because um, that was adam schlesinger from yes fans of wayne so um and then i can't remember the name of the band um it was the that does mad thing <laughs> you also had still water from almost famous didn't you yeah that's another one it's sort of vaguely yeah. based on uh ccr isn't it that one i think yeah but yeah i'm completely with you on scott pilgrim versus the world i think it's cool um and it's another film that i can, we can sit down with the kids and watch it like my, my daughter's 13 she enjoys it as much as i enjoy it you know there's a bit of language in there but there's nothing too yeah there's yeah. nothing sinister and it's, it, and it's all good fun and the action scenes are cool brie larson's in it isn't she yes she plays yeah, the she, evil exes that's right yeah yeah just yeah oh, it's just oh, an all-round no it's scott's ex isn't it she's not one of yeah, but yeah, anyway, yeah. I'm getting too bogged she's down in the, in the She's details. in the band that got signed, isn't she? Yeah, the Clash at Demon Head. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, what film? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. So, uh, well, I'm glad I'm glad you like that one as well. Yeah, definitely. We've kind of ended but on a... That was the only one that crossed, crossed both our lists, wasn't it? Yeah, I think feel like we did quite well there in uh, 
in finding you know different ones out for each other and and stuff especially when the last one we did was bug films and i think about three of the three of the top five were crossed over and there's not that many bug films out there it turns out but yeah. who knew and, and, and four of them were spider-man <laughs> yeah. um i can't remember did you mention men in black on that one um if we didn't in, it was in, an oversight yeah because he's always got the cockroaches around him isn't he yeah, that's the it. The bad guy. The, yeah. The, well, he's so, in the, the, the human suit. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, that would have been a good, good one to include as well. Right then. Um, so with Brilliant. that, we'll, uh, do you want to get your plugs? Where can people find you? Oh, you can find all the many podcasts at thelonewallscollective.com. So there's stuff for Records and Bands, which is the music one. There's Last Exit on Mainstream, which I'm doing with your good friend Jamie Anolfo, that's kind of pop culture adjacent. Um, and then there's a few other bits and pieces about it. But yeah, if you go to lonewallscollective.com, that's the easiest place to find everything. Thank Brilliant. And I'll, I'll make sure to try and remember, stick the links in the show notes as well, as usual. Ah, uh, that's all right, man. But uh, yeah, well, thanks for thanks for coming on. Excellent. It's definitely a lot uh, of fun. Definitely try and get you on for another one again soon. Yeah, it's cool. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. Cheers.